This is the Totally One Podcast recording from Dr. Comics. I am James Von Blum. And you know I'm Nick Rowe. No, you're not. I'm not. <laughs> Are you? I mean, you could be anybody. I've only been sitting here with for with you for an hour. And for 51 episodes. <laughs> the, the, the big 5-1. You may have just finished episode 50. Maybe you listened to it earlier, but who knows? But we're right back in there. Yeah. Anyway, let's talk some comics, because we didn't really talk about comics last episode. This is true. So, as you as you know, I'm, like, obsessed with Goodnight Poon Poon. Right, right. I, I started, I'm just starting the, the uh, sixth volume. There's, there, there's seven volumes total, so. And I know, and, and for the first time ever, I'm, like, ahead on a comic, uh, I'm I'm ahead of you on a comic. So. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm a little bit behind on Poon Poon. So. Mm-hmm. But let me just say, like, I got to the. I think it's the end of what what volume have you read up to? I think I finished four or five, maybe. Okay. Did you get to the part where he's at the driving school? No, I'm not there yet. Should I? Do you want a spoiler? Do you want? No, just go for it. I, I, you know, I've said to you off mic that I care more about the process (laughs) rather than, you know. I don't think it's going to ruin anything for you. I mean, you, you have to, you have to know at some point he like finds Ico again. It's inevitable. It's inevitable, right? And I still think that in my mind, Ico is still a figment of his imagination. Mm. I think I still think it's like kind of like an American Psycho sort of thing. Like, what's real, what's not real? I don't know. I, I think Aiko is more Poon Poon's rosebud than anything. Mm, in, in what way? What do you mean? I think, in a sense, Aiko is is the only thing keeping Poon Poon Same. alive. Yes. I Yes, I agree with that. That is and definitely true. I, I, I don't subscribe to, to her being a figment of his imagination. Okay. But maybe there's stuff in the story that you've encountered that, that supports it. Supports I just have a feeling like I don't, I have got this gut feeling that she doesn't, she's not real. That like, it's basically like you've seen American psycho, right? Yeah. The whole story is like, is this real? Did he actually kill anybody? Is it like, did he do this? Do, did he do all these things? You did know, he killed the like ten people he kills right. throughout the movie. Well, because like spoilers for a movie that's like almost twenty years old. Basically, at the end, you find out that like maybe he didn't do any of this. You know, like I mean, he does use a lot of cocaine throughout that. Entire <laughs> exactly, movie. exactly. And as we know, cocaine's a hell of a drug. Right. <laughs> is that a raincoat? Why, yes, it is. <laughs> <laughs> Um, that's that's one of Christian Bale's like best performances, by the way. I have to say. Yeah, he's uh, he's a nutso creepoid in that movie. He totally is. But anyway, so it's that's the kind of the feeling. Like, is this real? Because Poon Poon is obviously unhinged. You know, he's not he's not a trustworthy character. He's not a character you're like, oh my god, he's telling the truth. No, of course he's not. He's he's like lying. He's lying about everything. But at the same time, it, it's hard to trust anyone in that book. That's he, my he, point. That's even, my point. Even the narrator. Right. So maybe we're seeing maybe the way the narrator presents the story is skewing the narrative to be against Poon Poon and, right. and and to make him seem worse than he is. But it's hard to defend Poon Poon because he really is awful you know oh yeah but he's he's a he's a an amalgamation of like everything he grew up with with his like awful mother and father and his and his uncle you know and his aunt you know so it's like 
And so you did get to the part where you see Poon Poon's mom growing the the story about Poon Poon's mom in high school and all that stuff. Well, let's see. That's weird that you say that you haven't like read that far because like I don't think I have, or maybe I did, but I I saw the part where she talks about how she met Poon Poon's father. There's a sequence where you know she's in high school and you find out that she's getting her that she gets harassed throughout you know throughout maybe her high I just days. forgot it. Okay, well I don't know. But um, anyway, there's a part where he's at the driving school at the the uh, suggestion of Mr. Shiseido. And um, Shiseido is his landlord. Because uh, he's, like, trying to push Poon Poon to becoming a real estate agent. Right, right, right. And uh, there's a part where he's, like, inevitably, like, he meets Aiko at the the, um, driving school. And I was, like, I had a moment where I was, like, oh... Yeah, oh poop <laughs> like that is not what i said but that's basically the the feeling i had i was like oh stuff is gonna go bad from here <laughs> right well you know i like i said i i really think that aiko is poon poon's rosebud in the sense mm-hmm. that even even without her there all his all his actions and everything are informed by his experiences with Aiko. Right. But it's also the fact that he can't let go of his past. Yeah. That is the main purpose. That's the main like pl- through line is that he's not able to, he said, he, what he says is that Aiko put a spell on him, but it's basically the fact that he cannot let go of his grief or his past. And, and to an extent, he can't forgive himself for anything. Right. Either. And that's a big part of, you know, it, it's, it's almost like, Hey, and it's not almost like it is like Poon Poon is a metaphor for depression itself. It is absolutely, the, absolutely the cycles that he goes through. It's all about right him spiraling further and further down, and like in moments of like euphoria because he's basically it's like he's uh, bipolar, you know? Yeah, and he can't he can't allow himself to be happy even when he's being happy. Right. Right, because of his unwillingness to a forgive himself right. and b move forward with and his I life. And I definitely, he, I can definitely tell that he is on the verge of like a psychotic break. It's a very distinct possibility. That's that's the turn this comic will take because mm-hmm. it's happened in other Asano books. But... <laughs> is, is that like? Would you say? I mean, we talked about like Solanine before we start recording. Is that like something that's no? No, it, it happens. It's more of something that would happen in like Nijigahara Holograph, which uh, is okay. much more of a horror story. Ah, uh, okay. Um, yeah, it's. Ugh. But no, can I say? Can I just absolutely love Asano's artwork? I love his artwork. His his his, his character expressions are amazing. They're tremendous. I I think the best description of his artwork that I've seen described it as robotic accuracy. Hmm. Interesting. That would almost indicate that it's, um, uh, too mechanical, but I don't feel that way. I think his people are very, are very organic, Mm -hmm. but his, the way he presents the world is very robotic Hmm. because I, 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 there's no way he doesn't photo ref. Oh yeah, for sure. It's impossible. It's gotta be. Yeah. Um, for sure. And but the the fact that he juxtaposes his 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 character depictions against like 
un- unbelievably realistic backgrounds. Yeah. Is part of the charm of his of like hyper realistic backgrounds. Basically, yeah. they're like so real that they're unreal. I I I'm, I don't I don't know why like I'm so obsessed with this book, but I just like I can't put it down. Uh, like I said off off mic, it's the train wreck that you right. can't you want to look away, right. but you can't stop right. turning pages. Yeah. And I don't know about you, but every time I read a read a, a new volume of Poon Poon, mm-hmm. I have to sit there for a second and think about how I can be a better person. Oh my god! In general, totally. Because it's you know if you if you get through this book. And you don't have moments of self-reflection like, man, how can I improve myself and be better? Can I tell you, like, from personal experience, like, it made me reflect on, like, like, how did I get out of my own depression and, like, bipolarness, you know, and stuff like that? Like, what decisions did I make as an adult that helped me get out of being Poon Poon, you know, like... I, but I I don't know. It's it's difficult to be Poon Poon because he's such a caricature, you know. <laughs> yeah. He's like a hyperbolic expression of depression. Like, if if depression were at its most extreme and volatile state, how would it manifest? It's Poon Poon. And I get the sense that that you know that this was a form of meditation for Asano. You think so? I mean, it's got to be. It has to be. And I, I, I think, I think, I mean, obviously we're projecting, but I think yeah. that um, part of the Sano must live in this world. Yeah, and I, I've said on the podcast before. Um, I think it was Naoki Urasawa was in a discussion with someone, and you know he said, "I after reading Poon Poon, I got really concerned about right. Asano because right. you know you can't do something, you can't create a work like this." And not have some kind of personal component mm-hmm. that's that's being channeled into it. It's just it's way too personal and right. way too intense yeah. to not have something like that in there. I mean, Asano's like in his forties now, so it's yeah. like it's like obviously like maybe this is like a part of his life that he lived at one point, but I think he's he's got to be past it now. You know, like well, you know, it's it's maybe he's past it, but it's but it's still part of him. Yeah, it, and it's a part of it, you know, when it comes to depression like this, you it's it, it will always I, be a part. I of mean, it. I don't. Goodnight Poon Poon is not biographical, you know. No, like, not not even in the slightest. Yeah, and it is an old. It is a slightly older title mm-hmm. as well. It came yeah. out in the the early, early 2000s, 2000s. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, we're a little... Actually, the volume... I know for sure because the volume I just read had um, Pegasus with the 2001 glasses on. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, you know, it is it is an older work and, you know, I, Asano has done more work beyond this. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think Solanian is a more recent work by comparison. I think so. Um, Recent-ish. Yeah. But, uh, man... I, I mean, the last volume of Poom Poom just came out. Yeah. In America. Yeah, right. That's right. Yeah, I, sorry, that's true. I should have said that. I I'd love for you to read. I I'd love to to wrap up Poon Poon, like have us both finish it yeah. at some point, and yeah. then and then get you into Solanine and uh-huh. have a discussion. Oh, I've about, down, I've, I've downloaded Solanine. I'm I'm going to read it because that's that is hands down my favorite work by him because it's less. It's less intense than Poon Poon, uh-huh. but it has a lot of the same elements about what characters are experiencing. That's a, but yeah, they're, they're much more likable characters, and it's <laughs> well, it's that's a, good because I'm gonna need a break. 
that's actually kind of why I read Dragon Ball because I'm like, <laughs> I need a break from this character, you know? Like, you need silly slapstick poop jokes. I seriously to kind of do. I seriously do because it's like this, I could see how this book would like drag you down. Yeah, it's it's not one that I recommend binge reading. At, at like, I honestly. Well, God, well, damn it! Like you should like I. I've already been read it, so like <laughs> I, I told, I have to have told you that. that I'm sure you did. Okay. I'm sure you did. Because I read the the first three volumes like yeah. back to back to back. And yeah, I you, I've read like three volumes in a row now. I, I you you have to sparse out readings of this book because yeah. yes, it's addictive, but if you read, if you just power through it. It, it's it's way too much. I need to, to read that second volume of Dragon Ball that I picked up last week. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, unless you're a sociopath, then you know, go for it because it's not going to do much for you. But do you not have human empathy? Do you read Cheese Sweet Home and think, man, this is the worst comic ever? <laughs> yeah, right, right. A book about a kitty. A book about a, a, a light-hearted adventure comic about a kitten getting into trouble every every right. chapter. That's, you know, I maintain that if you can get through a volume of Cheese Sweet Home mm -hmm. and your heart doesn't melt on at least one page, <laughs> you're either inhuman or a sociopath. <laughs> right, it's, yeah. it's impossible. Or you're, you might be a cat. But even cats have enough emotion. <laughs> like, even cats would identify with, like, yes, this is fun. I like this, you know. Well, okay, like, I maintain, like, we're, we're getting on a, a major yeah. tangent. But I maintain that the difference between dogs and cats is a dog needs you. A cat doesn't need you. A cat's like, serve me, human. Like, eh, to an extent, I think. Yeah. But cats are very... Uh, it depends on the cat, I cats think. Cats are way more independent than dogs. Yeah. A dogs are bred to need you. I mean, that's that's part of their, their species mentality. Right. You know, they are a pack mentality. Right, but we've bred dogs to, like, need human beings, actually. I mean, cats need need humans to feed them. To an extent, but depends on the cat. Not exactly. I mean, cats can like if you don't feed them, they'll like find something else to eat. You know? Yeah. Whether you want them to be eating. Exactly. That exactly. That's my point. But uh, anyway, so poon poon cats. Like, sorry. Welcome to Totally Wound, the, the <laughs> podcast about comics and domestic animal ownership. Right. Exactly. <laughs> oh, I just it's like. Have I told you how much I want a greyhound? No. Oh, I really want a greyhound. I want two of them, and I want to name them uh, Wally and, and Barry. <laughs> I approve of this. Or if but... it's a girl, I would name him Je Jesse. Yeah. No, I approve of this uh, this plan. <laughs> I just our apartment's just too small, but uh, yeah. Anyway, so uh, other like uh, so like other things that I wanted to talk about like defenders. So okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. that is the right response. Ugh. So you you said you were deeper into it this week. So I'm I just started the the seventh episode, which is the pen the the, the, the so called penultimate episode. Yeah. Uh, but I'll tell you, if they spend the entire time in that precinct, I'm gonna be like, God damn it. Yeah, it's they spent a way, spent way too much time getting the team together. B, getting them to get on the same page. Yeah. And C, getting them into the conflict. Right. So, so basically the entire series is a waste of time. So let me let me tell you, like, my main takeaway from this story is I just want more of the... the I just want more episodes of Daredevil, Jessica Jones, and Luke Cage. Yeah. That's it. No more, no more Iron Fist, you know, like... Iron Fist sucks. He's... 
he just drags he dragged his own series down. Yeah. He dragged the defenders down. Yeah. And, you know, they, too much like whining about like being the iron fist and how it's it's got to be his burden and blah blah blah, you know. Yo, bro, if I mention I'm the immortal iron fist. Oh my fist god, no. You haven't told me already. Like, oh well, well, I'm the defender, the Iron Fist, the defender of Kunlun. Did Did you know that I'm I the did, Immortal Iron Fist? The no, I didn't of know that. Can you tell me again? I am the Immortal Iron <laughs> Fist, the defender. Of, oh God, it's so irritating. So okay, not once, and we've, we 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 kind of talked about this a little bit because you you've already seen Defenders. Not once do do I believe that this rich white boy is the defender of Kunlun and the immortal Iron Fist. <laughs> Not once. He's a charisma vacuum. That's why. Yeah. He no, just... it's not even, but it's like, I, you, you said this. You said that, like, I think that Colleen should be the Iron Fist. Yeah. Like, absolutely, make her the Iron Fist. Like, I would buy that way more. She's way more qualified to be Iron Fist than Danny Rand. And her, her fight scenes are a lot more believable. Right. She's a much better actor right. than this schlub playing Iron Fist. <laughs> and, you know, she has charisma she has ca- charisma on the ca- you know, with the camera. Even her and scenes with other characters. Even her scenes where she's just sitting there talking with Claire. I'm like, yeah. oh the, oh my god, that's like way more interesting. Yeah, she has chemistry way more chemistry with the other the other characters. Yeah. And I don't know, maybe the writers even had more inspiration with her than they did Iron Fist I, themselves. I would, you know, if they're going to bring Iron Fist back for a second season. Which they are. Which apparently they are. Make her the Iron Fist. That's the way to fix the series. Just kill off Danny Rand. They don't have to kill him off. They can make, like, they can make uh, Colleen Wing the new Iron Fist and have him be her mentor or some well, can, stuff. Can, you know? Canonically... He has to die in order for the Iron Fist Iron Fist power to transfer. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh. That, that's part of the character is that... I, the I don't Iron, like it. The Iron Fist is a legacy power. Mm. So every time an Iron Fist mm. dies, the, the, dragon, the, uh, the dragon is reborn and someone has to go plunge their hands into his heart and remove it. Okay, whatever. I don't care. Yeah. Make her the Iron Fist. That's uh, that's all I'm saying. That's that's what they but, established in uh, the Ed Brubaker run, which uh, I highly okay. recommend. All right. Where they introduce all these Iron Fists from different eras. Ah, uh, see, okay, that's I could I could get behind that. I just think that uh, you know, and you, you might say like, oh, how is he? How is he? He's a billionaire white boy. Like, how is he different than Batman or Iron Man? Well, okay, here's the thing. He's not. He, he's not. But Batman is a, his own thing. He's not trying to be the protector of like an Asian city, like, you know. Yeah. He's a protector of Gotham, and he has he has his own shtick, you know, like League of Shadows. I mean, we can go uh, there. Okay, but. okay. I mean, I oh, yes, okay, sure. But he's not. That that's that's. I, I'm reaching a little bit with that one because he goes to train with Ra's al Ghul, right. and that, that becomes kind of a side thing. And he's it's not like that's not his defining trait, though. Is not he's not the representative of that's of that's my culture. point. That's yeah. that's what I'm getting at. That is what I'm getting at. And he's also way more confident, and clever than Danny Rand. You know, like. But the the problem with the problem with that comparison there there, is, there is no doubt that Bruce Wayne is Batman. Yeah, like like I said, I don't I don't buy that Dana Rand is the Iron Fist. 
Well, I doubt Bruce Wayne is Batman these days because he doesn't spend any time as Bruce Wayne anymore. <laughs> He's always Batman. Okay, that, that's that's one of the things that uh, the tangent. That's here, a different. That's a different story. That's but... one of my problems with modern Batman mm-hmm. comics is that he doesn't spend time as Bruce Wayne enough. He need there needs to be a divide between Bruce Wayne and Batman. He's Batman. Yeah, he's Batman twenty four seven, and then Bruce Wayne is an afterthought, which is stupid. They, 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 the one concept that I like about Batman is that Bruce Wayne is the mask. That's but but him living the social life uh-huh. and you know doing detective work outside right. of the cowl right. is a really important right. part of his character right. that gets overlooked. But we're getting into that's a whole the, totally discussion. that's totally different. Let's let's get back to yeah. the defenders. <laughs> um. Uh, what I what did I want to say about Defenders? That everyone but Iron Fist has charisma on screen. I love I love Matt Murdock. I think Luke Cage is great. Jessica Jones is great. Um, like I said, it just makes me want to see them more. You know, mm-hmm. like I'm 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 kind of I've heard rumors that that the next season of of Luke Cage is going to be uh, Heroes for Hire with Danny Rand, and I'm like, yeah. ugh. Why not have the original Heroes for Hire, which was uh, Iron Fist? I guess I guess Iron Fist was part of that. Yeah, yeah. Have it be Luke Cage, uh, Colleen Wing, and um, Jessica Jones. No, I'm talking. No, I'm just saying. Why not make yeah, have, make it Jessica, Jessica Jones and Misty Knight? That would be great. That that was one of the yes. original teams for Heroes for Hire. I I'm, I would be so down for that. Forget Iron Fist. Like just. Don't use him anymore. He sucks. But that's not what it's going to be. What do I want to say? I don't... I was troubled... Let me say, I like Sigourney Weaver. I think she's a good villain, but I don't... It's. I find it troubling that she's the head of the hand. I mean, I don't know. What do you want to say about that? Like, I just... I, the, the way they establish the hand, it, it's... It, they really want to make it tied to like. Also, they they just like the same way that he keeps saying he's the the immortal Iron Fist. Boy, do they hammer down the fact that the villain is the Hand. I mean, they they really want to establish that the Hand has some kind of Asian mythos behind it. Right, but, but at the same time, you've got this old old woman like who's supposed to be the head, the old white woman who's supposed to be the head of the Hand. Yeah, it's it's problematic. But like, then, come on. But then also, there's Elektra who also becomes. I know, but, I mean, I, but at least but, in the comics but, too. But at least Led Young is like a person of color. Yeah, I like her. I like the casting. I think she's great. I I think she looks good as Elektra, but yeah. I think her charisma on screen is kind of a wet noodle. I, I mean, I know people had problems with her, but I I think her casting is way better than like Finn Jones and hundred percent. Yeah, I agree there. Yeah, and that she's like this badass, you know, like. I so I, I don't know. It makes it makes way more sense to me that Electra is the head of the hand. The the hand is, is sorry. That's a spoiler for the show that came out like whatever a couple months ago. Yeah, but it sucks. I guess so, that's not cares? really. Is that a spoiler? It's not really. If you re- no, that that happened in in Daredevil season two, kind of. Yeah, I guess a so. Little bit. A little bit. Um. So I don't know. And the hand is a problematic aspect of the mar of in, in Marvel comics as well. Well, it and, goes it goes back to like Oriental fetishism, which is like is that's an, that's a that's a problem. But to his credit, th- there's a uh, Mark Millar Wolverine run mm-hmm. um, where Wolverine just fights the hand for. Six oh, let me let whatever. me just say, like I feel like the hand is used 
way better in Wolverine than in like any other iteration. Yeah, they're invisible. They're invisible in the Defenders. Yeah, like they they keep talking about this this looming threat that's that's about to take over the city, and the hand is nowhere to be found. Also, I mean, I've, I haven't watched the entire show, but like the fact that they keep saying they need Danny Rand, I'm like, why? Yeah, there's no there's no reason they set up. No reason for them to need Danny Rand. Oh man, when you see the last episode, you're gonna be really mad with how, why they need him. I don't. I mean, I'm already. I know. I already know that I'm gonna be disappointed. I, because I there's, there's no reason why they need him. I can't remember what happens. You've you've watched through episode seven. No, I've only watched the first part of episode seven. Okay, all right. Trust me, you're gonna be really mad when you oh. find out what his purpose is. <laughs> I, I, I just remembered something, but go on. No, I, I don't want to say it because it's gonna. Oh, okay, it, it is a spoiler for what you're about sure. to watch. So, you know, the thing is, I watched the first episode, and I was like very underwhelmed. I was not totally whelmed. I was underwhelmed, mm-hmm. and I was like, ugh. And then for whatever reason, I was like, I came back to it because I'm like, oh, I already invested this time. Like, I might as well, like, see what else is going to happen, you know? Yeah. I don't know. It's not worth it. It's it's like Iron Fist. It's totally skippable. Yeah. There's a few good moments, but they're not worth slogging through all eight, all eight episodes. I'm glad it's only eight episodes. Yeah. It would be much worse if it was, like, ten, you know, ten or twelve or whatever. But I just, I it just makes me want to. Uh, I can't wait for like Jessica Jones season two, you know. Yeah, I, I or Luke Cage season two. I'm excited for both those. I actually watched Luke Cage season one again recently. I can I tell you, I love Luke Cage season one. Yeah, and I I've read a decent amount of criticism about it. You know, talking about where it falls short and what you know. Yeah, and I I just. I don't see it. It's as far as a an individual unit. It's so strong yeah. on both social commentary and superhero stuff. Right. It's got everything. Right. And I, you know, I've talked about um, Cottonmouth. How why Cottonmouth works Cottonmouth so well. Cottonmouth is so great in that. I mean, Mahershala Ali is just ah, ah. Yeah. I agree, and you know, people hated on Diamondback too. Yeah. And I thought Diamondback was the perfect villain to finish out the series. I thought it was okay, you know, but he's not. I don't think he was as strong as Cottonmouth, but uh, I, I or, think or even like Shades. The the fact that they they just put nothing but heat on Diamondback. Yeah. As soon as he appeared, and he was just that total pulled from the page comic mm-hmm. book. Oh guy. yeah, for sure. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. That's exactly I how have he should have. Very been. few criticisms of that show. Yeah. Oh gosh, there was a the other thing that bothered me about um, Defenders is, and I, I'm I'm almost done bagging. On, I don't want to bag on Defenders too much, but uh, the reason why like they come together doesn't make a ton of sense. <laughs> no, it doesn't. And like I see, like I get, I get, I get Jessica Jones because she gets hired for this this case. I get Matt Murdock. I don't. This it makes no sense that Je- that Luke Cage gets involved because he he comes out of jail and he's concerned with like what are Mariah and Shades doing and he should be. Yeah. That would that is what his motivation should be. He has almost no reason to get involved with this. Right. Right. Yeah. It's it. it the whole team formation doesn't make a lot of sense to begin with. Like and... the reason. Like he shows up at the hand like uh, building and I'm like what. 
How did he get there? Yeah. <laughs> Not to say that I don't like them teamed up. I think it's great, but it doesn't make sense. I'm like, how did he even get there? No, it's... it's he shows up out of nowhere. Yeah, it's... Uh, there's a lot of problems in that show. Beyond representation, <laughs> but it, just in terms of, like, straight-up plot. Right. It's, uh... <laughs> anyway, that's the Defenders. Let's... <laughs> Let's talk about some other stuff. How about, uh, I, I didn't, ah, oh man, I missed my opportunity to see Blade Runner this weekend. I, I don't know if I want to see it or not. It's got an 89 or 83 on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah, it, and it's, the critical review has been really positive. Yeah. But. The box office has not been great. It's been, it made like 31 million. Yeah, and I've heard that they that they straight up replay scenes from the original oh, Blade really? Runner in this movie. Yeah, I love Blade Runner. <laughs> yeah, but see, I, my major problem with this, the, the original Blade Runner, the reason it was so amazing mm-hmm. is because you're questioning whether or not Harrison Ford is a replicant right. throughout the entire movie. That, that was the one thing that I was like, I've talked to multiple people about is like, this movie kind of blows the question, is Deckard a replicant, is he not? Because obviously, he's not a replicant. If he no, comes... no, he he is a replicant. They say that he reveals that in the trailer. He says he's a replicant? He he very heavily implies it. How, they, could, they, how could he be, but how could he have aged if he's a replicant? I mean, they, they must have found, I, I mean, I don't know. Unless but, he's a special type of replicant. It, but that was the that was the thing that I loved about the original is that he's it's ambiguous. Is he a replicant? Is he not? Harrison Ford said he was a replicant, and then Ridley Scott said he wasn't. So it's like, you know, it just depends. It actually really depends on what version of the film that you've seen. Yeah. No, I know, but in the trailer, that he he delivers some line to Ryan Gosling, where like this is the reason we were fighting to begin with, and like hmm. you know, but that doesn't say that he's a replicant. It just says because he's he's got sympathy for the replicants. Yeah. It doesn't mean that he's a replicant. Okay, maybe maybe I interpreted it the wrong way, but I I don't know. I it's just. Blade Runner is such a solid individual narrative uh-huh. that adding anything to it, I'm I'm so hesitant to go into another one with, you know, with to to explain anything else from mm-hmm. the original because yeah. it doesn't need anything. Yeah. And also Hans Zimmer did the did the musical score to this film. And did I he? Hate, oh yeah. Oh, I didn't and know. Hans Zimmer is a plague. <laughs> you and my friend, my old buddy, would 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 totally agree with that. I I disagree, but uh, Hans Zimmer is needs more French horns. Yes, and all his soundtracks yes, sound That's exactly true. the same. Uh-huh. Uh huh. And the original Blade Runner soundtrack is so oh, iconic. it's so iconic. The Vangelis soundtrack, and to have mediocrity, the composer, <laughs> do do a soundtrack. Is to that a Blade his name? Runner. I mean, he he is the representation of mediocrity in music composition. I would be. I wish they would. I wish they'd at least gone to like Michael Giacchino. Yeah, no, I I, I agree, but he I seems just, to be like the go-to guy for soundtracks these days. If you were to play tracks, different Hans Zimmer tracks from different movies, I would put money on you not being able to identify a which movie it's from. I could. And B whether or not they're actually I, from I love movies. like I love his soundtrack from uh uh Oh, he did the the Inception sound like but I I like <sighs> the the Inception soundtrack. I like the the uh, Interstellar soundtrack is really good. 
Oh, that's Hans Zimmer too. Yeah. God. Okay. Well, I've, I actually have never seen either of those movies. I even so. really like. Uh, <laughs> you're gonna hate this. I even like his uh, Man of Steel theme. Oh. <laughs> I'm not gonna go there because that's a whole nother. We're gonna be arguing about that for another. <laughs> I still have lots of feelings. I like about his Man Dark Knight soundtrack. Oh. <laughs> I know. I'm losing points right now. Uh. All I'm gonna say is with Inception is I I liked Satoshi Khan's movie that would that Inception ripped off better. <laughs> okay. See Paprika, it's great. All right, is that the animated series? No, it's an anime. It was Satoshi Khan's final movie. Oh, uh, okay. But Paprika wasn't an anime, right? They it made was. An, yeah, it is an anime. Okay, that's and what I thought. Inception completely blatantly ripped off in Paprika in a lot of ways. Got it. So. All right. Fair anyway. enough. Haven't seen Paprika, but... Uh, Highly recommend it. Yeah. It's about an agent that goes into people's dreams hey, and solves crimes. That sounds familiar. Hmm. And then ends up going into dreams of dreams of dreams. Hmm. <laughs> well, well, <laughs> but, you know, I mean, getting back to Blade Runner, I mean, yeah. Ghost in the Shell is like, if you want to go there, Ghost in the Shell is like highly, highly influenced by Blade Runner. Yeah. Oh, for sure. I mean, Blade Runner... Blade Runner created an entire movement in, in like Japanese comics. It, well, it, Blade Runner revolutionary revolutionized uh, sci-fi for sure. It's it's you know it is the definite. Maybe it is the, the the creation point of cyberpunk. It it yeah I think so. I mean besides like William Gibson. Yeah, it's it's. You know, it, I don't know, and and Ridley Scott needs to stop making anything. It's like um, like Shadowrun is basically Blade Runner the game, you know? Exactly, yeah. So it's I don't know. I I, I want to see it, but I don't want to see it, and I'm, <laughs> I'm having problems reconciling those. Feelings. I I want to see it. I, I'm excited. I've heard I've heard like uh, Dave Batista's really good. Um, they bring back um, what's it? Who played Adama? Natalie Portman. No. Natalie Portman? Where'd that come from? Oh, I was thinking Queen Adala, not... No. <laughs> yes, Natalie Portman. Cool, all right. <laughs> she plays Gaff. Oh, I see, all right. <laughs> no, it's, um... What's his name? Edward James Almost. Oh, nice. Yeah, so he makes an appearance, um... Who else is... Oh, uh, Lenny, Lenny James from Walking Dead is in there. All right. Yeah. Well, you know, the cast may be cool and whatnot, but I don't know. I just, I, I have, eh, well, Adam we'll Savage makes a little cameo appearance, apparently. Like, eh, whatever. You're not an Adam, Adam Savage, you're not a Mythbusters fan? No, I am, but he's, eh, he's a, I have a complicated relationship with him and his presence in fandom. Okay, fair enough. All right. Which we don't need to get into well, because we're yeah. we're getting kind of towards the uh, yeah let's getting we're getting towards the end. Do you want to like talk about some comics or what do you re- what you read? Um, you know, admittedly, I was kind of light on the comics front this week. I read um, I'm kind of got into the latest volume of uh, Complex Age, mm-hmm. which I've talked about on this podcast, and um, it's about cosplay and the cosplay community and and all that stuff and it's you know it's an amazing read i've learned tons of stuff about cosplay oh, okay right right um, right right i'm, I'm curious about this this uh um and man kodansha is killing it with some of their latest titles uh-huh. and this is 
gone very much under the radar of the fandom. What is it called? Complex Age. Oh, okay. And it's about the co- uh, cosplay community. It's about this this uh, woman who is a cosplayer right, 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 in right. her okay. kind of late 20s. Right. And she's at this point where her friends are getting older and quitting right. cosplay, but she has no motivation. Yes, to, to we quit. have definitely talked about this. Um, but I've primarily been rereading The Silmarillion because oh, okay, right. of my... Uh, I finished... Shadow of Mordor, because Shadow of War comes out right. very soon. This month? Uh, Tuesday. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. Uh, so it motivated me to get back in there, and my perspective is very different on this read-through than it's it was. It's so interesting that you've gotten into this, because I've I've never read The Samarillion, and I've heard that it's unreadable, and I think it was finished by, or it was edited by Christopher Tolkien. Right, it is. And, you know, I was telling you off mic that the perspective I have going into it is for after reading a bunch of old English poetry and literature and the way that stuff unfolds and the themes and motifs and rhetorical style mm-hmm. is makes, makes the Silmarillion way more palatable mm-hmm. and appreciating hmm. old English literature yeah. and going into the Silmarillion. It's a very different experience. Yeah. So I'm in there. I'm enjoying cool. it. That's cool. I mean, I, we'll have to like talk about the Cimmerillion and maybe some more Tolkien lore when you finish it. Yeah, we'll we'll get in there and I'll relay some of my favorite stories I, from it. I just after having talked to you about it before we started recording, I really just want to do a Tolkien podcast. So. <laughs> That's going to take a little bit more time and effort, and <laughs> yeah. we'll have to commit to a, a Tolkien book club and right. check in regularly. Exactly. It's been ages since I've read The Hobbit and Lord of the Rings, but uh. So maybe I'll go in order and read the Silmarillion, Hobbit, and then mm-hmm. Lord of the Rings. Yeah. And you can't skip the appendices. No, those are super important. <laughs> they're they're super important, especially the Lord of the Rings. Maybe I'll... That gives you, like, all of the lore that you missed in the book, basically. Yep. So we'll come... We'll, I'll report back, and maybe yeah. we'll do a Tolkien cast. Cool. Totally. So uh, I also read White Knight, uh, Batman White Knight from... The new uh, Sean Murphy book. Yes. Written and drawn by Sean Murphy, colors by Matt Hollingsworth. Hollingsworth. What can I say? I, I, Sean Murphy is, he's. I think he's super underrated. He's one of my favorite artists. Um, Punk Rock Jesus is one of my favorite books of all time. I love Joe, uh, Joe the Barbarian. His book with uh, Grant Morrison. Yep. Um, his he's done some work with Scott Snyder. Actually, that's what I was gonna say. Like last podcast, I think. They announced that he's coming back to do another Batman book with Scott Snyder. That's cool. So I'm, I'm really excited about that. But pretty much anything that he is involved with, I'll, I'll read. And this is, I guess you could say, like an Elseworlds book. Okay. Um, but it's it's kind of like, how can I describe it? It's like if, if, if the Joker was cured and what that world would be like. If the Joker was actually a functional member of society. Exactly. Huh. That's an interesting premise, actually. Yes. And it's sort of, in a way, it sort of villainizes Batman. Wow. That's really cool. But the my favorite part about it is, like, is like if the Joker was not psychotic... Like, and, and the Joker trying to atone for all of his, like murderous rampages 
Interesting. Well, that's that's a pretty unique premise to, it to is. watch unfold. And so. I love it. So this was the first issue. It just came out this week. I don't know what else to say. I mean, if you like Sean Murphy's work, you'll you'll enjoy it. I just his design his design aesthetic is just like so incredible. The way he draws like the Batmobile and buildings and cars and stuff like that. Like especially like machinery. He's really good at that. Okay. So and I just I love his character design and it's kind of like if it was a movie trailer it'd be like in a world where Batman is out of control. <laughs> Cool. I mean, I, I think that's a perspective that uh, that we don't get a lot of as far as Batman is concerned. Right. He is the you know the force of good that maybe blurs the line of, of morality right. from time to time. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. But it like it basically flips the Batman mythos on its head. So um, it's it's well worth the read. I really enjoy it. I guess it was kind of a short episode, but we did sort of a long episode last for the 50th episode. Yeah, we did it back to back, so I think. Uh, <laughs> I mean, my voice is getting a little dry, you know? Like, Yeah, I think it's time to re up on some coffee, so. Yeah, I feel like there's something else that we're missing, but uh, I don't know, you know? I guess I'll. We'll, we'll talk more when I finish Poon Poon. Yeah. Or when, when you catch up to it, actually. Yeah, I'll make it a priority. Um, and I also want to get back into reading I Am a Hero. So, uh, Ooh, yeah. Good I got to catch up on that. So, um, anyway, we'll talk to you next week. Um, if you want to follow me on Twitter, you can follow me on at I Am Vomblum as well as Instagram. You can find me at SPD4649. You can find the store at Dr. Comics Mr. Games DRMR across the social media spectrum. We are on SoundCloud at soundcloud.com slash totally-whelmed. And, and what, Nick? What? What? iTunes, buddy. <laughs> yeah. So, so we're you, on iTunes there. Make sure to like, comment, subscribe. Uh, leave a review on iTunes because that really helps drive con- uh, that really helps drive traffic towards us, towards the show. So if you like the show, leave a review. Um, you know, If you want to talk about the show, make, make sure you use the hashtag totally-whelmed. We're on all the social media at Whelms Pod. And uh, anything else that we're missing? No, that'll do it. Okay. Go read some comics. Read we'll some comics. Next week. <laughs> <laughs>